Well, thanks for taking the time to join us today. And uh, we've had the opportunity to talk with some folks over the last couple of months and uh, wanted to have what I think is a really timely and important conversation today. I've loved doing this series of, of conversations because it's given me a chance to introduce my friends to my friends. And um, today, you know how when you're when you're young, you meet someone who then ends up kind of maybe becoming a role model in, in a long time for your life. And uh, I know when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old was the first time I was ever introduced to John Wooten. And uh, I can go back and I'm so thankful for the influence and the role model. Probably I'm sure more than he knows that he has been in my life. John Wooten serves as the district superintendent of the Ohio Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. Many of you know that Calvary is uh, the, the, the fellowship of churches that we're a part of. It's called the Assemblies of God. And uh, Pastor John's role as the district superintendent really means that he is the pastor to hundreds of churches and ministers throughout the state of Ohio and does that with so much excellence in class. Pastor John, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Pastor Chad. It is great to be with you guys. I've been looking forward to this and uh, love the folks there at Calvary and appreciate you so much. Uh, you were referencing when we were younger, and, and he's telling you the absolute truth. We actually did used to be young one day, <laughs> and uh, I have many, many great memories. I've known your pastor folks for decades, and uh, that's so fun to do ministry and know that you're working with the real deal. So happy to be with you. Well, this this is this is fun. If you don't mind, kind of one of the first questions we we typically ask folks is uh, kind of if you can give us your life story, and uh, I know that that would be a loaded question for me. So we kind of put some guardrails on it in about three minutes or less. Can you give us your life story? Uh, I'll, I'll give it my best shot. Yeah, so I am an Ohio boy, like your pastor. I was raised in Southeast Ohio, and I'm the youngest of five children. And we were raised in a small town uh, in uh, Cambridge, Ohio. I went to a great church, uh, just like your pastor. In fact, it was our church familiarity and involvement that got us to uh, be able to meet each other when we were in, uh, in our teen years. So loved, uh, loved growing up in Southeast Ohio, uh, great church, great friends at school, and a fantastic family. My mom and dad uh, worked together at my father's chiropractic office, and so he was a frustrated evangelist because he loved to uh, crack backs and align spines, but uh, I just shared a few days ago on, on Facebook, actually, my Father's Day remembrance of my dad, who's now in heaven, how uh, as a uh, chiropractor, he would write on people's files uh, a track record system so he could keep track if he had shared with them the good news about Jesus Christ. Wow. And so he'd write a cross, and then uh, if they had accepted Jesus, he would circle it, so that way he would know uh, where they were at. And every day, every day, uh, he would talk to people about Jesus. And so uh, that, just kind of grew up in that environment. Uh, my allowance as a young man was to read chapters in the Bible. So uh, that's how we got paid. And so I, I memorized or figured out pretty quickly that it was pretty black and white. How many chapters did you read? And so I discovered that Psalm 119 was a really big chapter. And uh, Psalm 117 was a very short chapter, only three verses. And I got paid the same for reading Psalm 117 as I did 119. So if I needed a quick buck, I would just read Psalm 117 four times. So uh, small town, Ohio, and loved our church family, and uh, I'm just I'm just so blessed. So now to get to be part of this network and see even this day, now that I'm in my 50s, hundreds and hundreds, not thousands of people that I met when I was a teenager in my 20s and 30s 
I just consider the privilege of a lifetime uh, to get to be part of this great fellowship here in Ohio. That's awesome. What's, uh, you know, maybe to touch base on that, I, I don't think people have any idea what what your role really kind of might look like. What If you had to describe your day job, what's what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, I'm privileged to get to do my day job here with my wife, Bridget, and she is the state women's director uh, for all of our women's uh, ministries. And we have four children here who we have raised in Columbus. And so when we're not with the kids and when we're not traveling uh, the state of Ohio, here at the office, we have departments like churches would have but they're statewide departments. So a statewide kids department, a statewide youth department, a statewide women's and men's departments, et cetera, missions, a lot of things that happen in the local church we have here on a state level because our job is to resource our pastors and ministers and church leaders across the state. So we've got a great team here in Columbus. And uh, we, of course, because of the central location, it works out great. We have lots of our pastors and church leaders like those coming from Calvary here in the building quite often, and we're just trying to network as best as we can thousands and thousands of unbelievably talented, gifted, called pastors and leaders, including our missionary family across the state. So it's a blast. It really is. Well, and I, I want to touch on something real quick there, because if somebody is not familiar with 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 what all that means, there's there's a there's a potential right? There's a potential to kind of go, ah, man, sounds, sounds awful administrative in that. And one of the things I've really appreciated, Pastor John, and especially in this season, is your, your personal willingness to go, um, my leadership is not just to make sure that papers get filed and, and signatures get, get made, you know? And so, I, you know, I, I, w- I want to thank you, you know, even publicly because during the last few months, you you took some very deliberate steps, first within our fellowship, but then I think got elevated beyond that to provide resources for churches to know how to get not only kind of back into effective ministry during this season, but to stay effective, both whether you're whether you're online or whether you are, um, you know, starting to meet again. What was so important about that was you were willing to have a voice to make a call and say some of those things in a time when, you know, I, I, in my mind, I kept saying during that whole coronavirus season, not just for churches, but for everybody, we were being asked to play a game and the rules kept changing as business owners, as leaders. And, and, and I don't fault anybody for that. We're dealing with, with some unknowns. I'd be curious to know, as you've led in this season, what what have you learned about leading through a crisis? Wow, what a great question! Uh, am I still in my first three minutes here? I want to make make sure I find out. No, uh, no, no. no. We, so we, let me take we, this we out of that. <laughs> uh, I think everybody at Calvary knows this. I know they do, but you guys have been gifted there at Calvary with one incredible leader and a great team of leaders. Chad would be the first to say that. But the way that you folks have navigated this uh, has been not only fantastic. It's been exemplary. And and then folks multiply that by, as Chad said earlier, hundreds of churches around the state. And many of them are in the suburbs, of course, but some of them are in the inner city. And some of them are in Amish country. So talk about the spectrum. And some of them have never had more than 50 people in the building on average for the last couple of years. 
and some of them have never had more than less than a, or excuse me, less than a thousand in the building. So uh, that was probably one of my first uh, gut reactions was I hope everybody understands, like with so many things in life, we're going to have to give each other space. <laughs> That's such a such a value <laughs> that we need to remind ourselves uh, and and not jump into judgment like we see the world doing a lot. Um, and so that really jumped out of me first was <clears throat> we're going to have different churches who, for very good reason, need to navigate their situation the best way they can for this group of people. And at the same time, we are part not only of the statewide fellowship, but we are citizens in the state of Ohio. And so there are, uh, as, as your folks well know, uh, just crossed the line into Michigan and in the last few months has been a different scenario for many of those citizens. So uh, I think just giving everybody space as we're trying to navigate this together, and although there are many things that are going to divide us, <clears throat> and sometimes those things are important and we should take a stand, but a lot of this, uh, just the last few months for our country, was we're all just trying to do the best that we can, and we don't we don't want people to uh, lose their jobs, and we don't want them to lose their lives, <laughs> and so how can we, with uh, God's people, uh, not just survive this, but I think that the light bulb, the aha moment came for me was when I realized we're not just supposed to be a player as the church, we're supposed to lead as the church. And um, the Old Testament, New Testament, it shows the people of God stepping into situations where maybe you wouldn't think the church would belong, but it's because God had infused his people with divine wisdom that wasn't just good for the people of God. It was good for everybody because God loves everybody. So that probably is my takeaway is that there's a lot more that the people of God uh, can be doing. And I've seen it here in the state where the, with the audience that we've been given with local and state officials. And I think going forward, uh, even though this has been so challenging, my goodness, I don't ever want to see this repeated. It has prepared, I think, locally and statewide people of Jesus to, to be unified and to be able to speak with unity in a way that is not just good for the local church. It's good for everybody because that's what that's what how God operates. Well, that's a that's a great place for us to shift gears. And I know you you didn't ask me to do this. You know, when we first started doing these these podcasts or little introduction things, I, I made kind of a long list of some people and Pastor John, you were, you were on that list. And I'm so thankful for the way that God directs timing, because I don't know that it could be more timely. I'll just, I'll just do this. You didn't ask for this. Here's a little product placement. Um, what about three years ago, uh, Pastor John, you took a, a very deliberate season to put into a book form, something that you felt like God had really placed in your heart. And I'd love to hear you talk about this a little bit. It's a book called Messaging, Why Audience Matters um, by John Wooten. In fact, we'll, we'll kind of just, uh, we'll make that our virtual background here for uh, for the next couple of moments. But um, you you wrote this book. Can you can you give us a little bit of background on on why you wrote it? Because even when I, when I, you know, in preparation for this, reviewed the introduction again, I was like, man, how timely for where we are right now. Yeah, Chad, uh, that phrase, deja vu all over again, uh, certainly seems to surface um, because this book was written in the last election cycle for the president in 2016. And so here we are again, many of the same issues. And uh, you see there the cover, folks, and I would love for everybody at Calvary to know that that was produced by 
a member of your church, Greg Shapiro, and his uh, firm, HOT Graphics. They did that book for us. So we're so thankful, Greg, for all your help with that. But the uh, book came out of a season in my life where I felt um, very uncomfortable um, with the church and its disunified approach. And I did not, it was like when I thought about it, I knew that I knew that I knew, and again, wind the clock back to 2015 and the primary season and all the candidates. And we're getting introduced to this uh, character named Donald Trump. And we're getting introduced to Hillary Clinton's emails and, and people in the church are taking all kinds of sides. I knew it. I knew that it was not God's will for people of God to go at each other's throats. And it was true. If you, Maybe you remember it. At the Republican convention and at the Democratic convention, people with crosses around their necks, both, both parties, uh, made their way to the podium and they began to lead in prayer. And both of those prayers pretty much said the same thing, only insert a different candidate's name. God, we know you want Hillary. God, we know you want Donald. And so I'm like, there's just no way, no way that that, that can be pleasing to God, that Christians are fighting each other. And of course, the world's fighting each other, but my heart was on the Christians. And at the same time, Chad, maybe it goes back to those days when we were in Bible quiz and just memorized lots of, lots of scripture. I just knew that I knew there had to be an answer. And the problem was, we're talking about social media, we're talking about presidential elections, we're talking about the internet and cable news. These are not instruments that were available 2,000 years ago. So I knew I wasn't going to open up the book of Acts and find something there about CNN or Fox, but I knew there had to be, because God never leaves his people without wisdom. And he, 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 that's just not who our Heavenly Father is. So that led me on a journey, and uh, I was surprised at the patterns and the consistencies that I found out in Scripture that were incredibly applicable to these modern-day spats that we're having. And so when I shared that around the state, um, the board that I have that helps me, they said, you've got to put this in book form. So that's what happened in 2016. And, and you, you mentioned in the book that there's a crystal clear New Testament pattern that, that is, is helpful for believers. Can you give us just kind of a snapshot on, on what that pattern looks like? Absolutely. Again, uh, Chad, this was nothing that, nothing that I had seen before. And so I had to eat a lot of crow and I had to repent because I was, that's probably what bothered me, I was on occasion that Christian who was calling others out. I was that Christian who was, who was causing some division. And so when I saw these patterns, to me, um, I was blown away. It was, I feel guilty because I actually went at, went at it kind of like a researcher or a detective. I thought, there's just no way. I'm going to find some exception here in the New Testament. And I, I was embarrassed that I was looking for some example where Jesus wasn't consistent and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And that was this, that when it comes to um, uh, two different realms, uh, how we get along as Christians and then how we talk to the world about the, the issues of our day and what frustrates us and, and the stands that we want to take, those two arenas, there was a strong pattern there about how we handle those tough conversations as there is for things like prayer, as there is for, for disciplines like worship, like giving to our church and supporting missions, like sharing the gospel. Uh, and what that is, is there are patterns of instruction, meaning Jesus or the 
early church leaders like Paul and Peter, they actually said, do this. Here's what to do is an instruction. And it was over and over again, like there is pray. Jesus, Peter, Paul, John, they all told us, pray, you need to pray, you need to pray. But there's also then, just for good measure, a pattern of experience that you read about. It wasn't just what they said, it's what they did. And so you can, you can read that Jesus spent time in prayer over and over again. You can read that Peter and the apostles prayed. So that pattern of instruction and the pattern of experience gives us the confidence 2,000 years later to do what we do. And I, I give the false example that's in the Old Testament, meaning uh, it happened. I know you preach it there at Calvary Church. How dare you? You actually preach that Jonah got swallowed by an animal. I don't, I don't know if your theology is the whale or the big fish. That's for another podcast. But uh, you preach that there, and, and you actually lead your people to believe that a human being was swallowed by a great big swimming creature and taken where he was supposed to go in the first place and vomited up, and that's what led to the greatest revival in the Old Testament. You preach about a prophet who was told which way to go by a donkey. You preach about an Old Testament prophet who was kept alive by ravens bringing food. And, and, and yet today, you don't use that as an example. Like, you don't tell missionaries there at Calvary, and folks don't know. Your church supports so many missionaries. But you don't tell a single one of them, okay, God bless you. Here's, here's some money, here's some food. Now go to the ocean and wait for a whale to swallow you. You don't do that, right? But Pastor Chad, that's in the Bible. And you don't, you don't tell your children when they're hungry to go out in the woods and wait for a raven. You say like, how about get a job? That'd be a good thing, right? <laughs> so there's examples of things that happen in the Bible that happen one time. And there's not a pattern. There is no instruction in the, in the Bible to go look for a whale or a talking donkey. And there's no story where that's what the believers typically over and over did time and time again. So it's these patterns, and that's what's there for Scripture. And so to answer your question, uh, the pattern for how believers handle their disagreements and their offenses is Matthew chapter 18. And it's reinforced with other Scriptures, other examples. But Chad, you and I go at each other first. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Paul does not instruct Pastor Chad to go to Facebook every time he's upset uh, with somebody else and just let them have it. He actually, and so does Jesus, they give us the example, go to the person first. And so that was that's the first half of the book is examples about how we handle our differences with each other. And then secondly, when it comes to issues of morality, issues of politics, things that are not uh, eternal things like our salvation and the gospel is, the pattern in the New Testament is when you know there are non-believers in your audience, then keep them keep the matter focused on the gospel. Mm -hmm. And after they have been saved, that's when it kicks in that you explain to them why this choice is a better moral choice than that choice. But there are no, I just, I could not believe it. There are no examples in the New Testament where the believers, the leaders, talk to non-believers about their moral choices, about their politics. It was always, always about getting Jesus and the gospel inside them. And then once the Holy Spirit lives inside them, then you have the means to go that next layer of the conversation. So uh, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And, and you know, the, the, the subtitle of the book is why audience matters. And that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? Like, like as, and, and, you know, you, you do something really interesting. I don't know that I've ever read a book 
where I've seen this before, where right at the beginning, you say, look, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this, this book was not intended for you. And, and in a very gracious way saying, you know, the audience of this book is very clear, but, but I think important for us, and especially when, you know, my, my Facebook friends include a great variety of people, we have to maybe come to terms with my faith causes me to have a different perspective on life. But I also need to realize the message that I communicate to those who have that same perspective and those who may not yet have that perspective, um, it's different. Yeah, there's there's a time and a place. And so we might ought to go ahead and give that disclaimer even here because this could be on Facebook, right? And other people might see this. So if you're not a believer in Jesus, uh, man, you got to come to Calvary and find out about the love of God for you. Um, so that I've really been, I feel like hamstrung in a kind of a hilarious way. Like, how do I write a book like that <clears throat> and then see all this evidence of things I could correct, but I can't because if I were to do that, it would be hypocritical to what I just promoted. So man, this is taking a long time one by one to have these conversations. <laughs> yeah. The book is written to believers and that's here. Here's something else, Chad. I'm just embarrassed that I never saw it. So, so I know some people who hear uh, what I already said or who, who read the first parts of the book will think, well, I, I know that Paul did talk about uh, that behavior. I know he did talk about abusing that substance, and so did Peter, and so did Jesus. And the answer is you're absolutely right. I mean, there are some very clear sentences. You cannot miss them in the New Testament and realize that these types of behaviors are going to prevent somebody from making it to heaven. But the important thing to remember is that all of the New Testament books, and you can read them for yourself, go check them out, all in the introductory comments, every single one was written to people who were already saved, mm -hmm. right? They were, they were written to people who were already saved. And so, yes, once you already know that Jesus has forgiven you, uh, then it's time, not, we don't try to earn our salvation, but in response to this amazing gift of grace that we've been given, then we do, bit by bit, it's a lifelong process. We do allow the Holy Spirit to help us to get rid of sinful behaviors uh, one by one by one in the way that the Holy Spirit does. But to go to a, a non-believer who doesn't have the gospel inside their heart and to start with that conversation, uh, it, number one, it's, it's most of the time ineffective and mainly there's not scriptural support for that. And what happens instead is the church gets the name that we all know it gets as being the people who are always harping on this. We're against that. We're against that. And uh, there is there again, there's no biblical foundation. And I did not know that. And uh, if you're hearing that today and you're, you're not sure about that, I want to let you know I was with you. I was shocked. And I encourage you to, if you don't read the book, read the New Testament over and over again and just look for it. And you'll probably be surprised like I was. Well, and I think, I think if there's ever been a time when that message is important. And, and to the point that, um, you know, some people have things that they are passionate about, and there are issues that, that need our voice. I mean, that's, that's not at all what, what you're saying here, but the reality of, of our, our focus at some point needs to be, and this is what you see in the New Testament, our, our focus on helping people to see who Jesus is, is, is the, the, the place to start. There, there's a line near the end of the book that when I read it, you know, sometimes you get those, it's like a sucker punch. You're like, oh man, but the, um, why do we lose sleep worrying if people will choose our candidate, but not our savior? 
And uh, I think there, if there's a, a place where that's timely, it's today. Chad, I'm so glad you mentioned that because uh, I, I do run the risk of being misinterpreted. You, you nailed it. We have to speak out on these issues, um, but it's how we do it and our audience. So for example, if you want to fill in the blank, you know, I, I, I look in the mirror because when you said that, it's me. <laughs> I am on boards of organizations where we're fighting for a cause, right? So we've got to speak. But if I were to give this a new subtitle, I'd say the New Testament case for speaking life instead of speaking out. There's a difference. And the way we speak life, for example, fill in the blank, um, pick, you know, anybody who watching today, pick the moral uh sin of your uh, of your choice, the one that really irks you. <laughs> Put that in a blank. And, and you know what? I, I hope this doesn't disappoint people who've visited Calvary, but somebody who calls on the name of Jesus at Calvary is dealing with that issue. Hmm. And that's true at every church. And we've known that for decades. We maybe have not been as upfront as we should. And so to me, I think that is the gospel pattern wait till people have Jesus inside of them. And then we can have those conversations about this issue, this issue, this issue, when they're more likely to understand that God has a loving plan for them, that even though they can't do what they were doing, it's for their good. And if the church will simply stay focused on those misbehavior, those, those immoralities that are already struggles with people who are inside the church, uh, then we can, I, I gave the example there in, in the book, it doesn't make much sense to try to uh, clean fish before we catch them, right? <laughs> makes a whole lot more sense, catch the fish, and then you can start to clean them. But if you try to clean a fish <laughs> before you catch it, there's going to be a lot of blood and a lot of pain <laughs> and not much uh, product to show for it. Man, if somebody wants to, to get a hold of the book, what's the best way? Well, sure. Uh, messagingbook.com. Messagingbook.com is a website, and you can uh, have all your questions and pick up some copies there. And there's also a study guide uh, for people who want to go deeper in, in, into it. And I, and I would encourage you, especially in this season, you know, because I, I remember at the beginning of this year, um, you know, you, you referenced this in, in your book, just pastorally, I, I first stepped into this lead pastor role in 2004, which was an election year. And so like, you know, each one of those seasons, you know, okay, there's a, there's a certain, um, awareness as a leader you have to have as you're going into a season like this. And I remember when 2020 started, I thought, oh boy, here we go. Another, you know, election year had no idea what 2020 was going to bring with it, you know? And yeah. so um, when you look at the racial tensions that we've seen in our country, when you look at the uncertainty that's, that's been with so many during even the, the pandemic season on top of Supreme court decisions and presidential politics, um, I, I think, you know, to be honest, what was in your heart four or five years ago, maybe wasn't even four, four or five years ago, but it's a clarion call, I think, for people right now. And so, yeah, messagingbook.com. Um, Pastor John Wooten, you'll, you'll want to, you'll want to pick that up and, uh, and check it out. So, well, can I, can I ask you just a couple other quick questions before we wrap up? These are, yeah. these are some things that we, we like to ask from time to time. We're having these conversations. If you, if you had to design your perfect day, um, the, the, the one that you just, when you put your head on the pillow that night, you said, man, this, I, 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 this is the perfect day. What would it look like? Wow. What a great question. Um, 
I, I would say uh, hanging with family and friends at Cedar Point and riding those roller coasters uh, all day long, eating hot dogs and funnel cakes and having a great time. I love Cedar Point. I, I did not know that. Yeah, and you know what? We, we have written some, we made a mistake. Please forgive me, uh, Northwest Ohio. We did go to another park a few years ago, and I thought, never again am I getting on a coaster. I'm just too <laughs> old for this. And then I went to Cedar Point where they're bigger, faster, scarier than ever, but they're geniuses. And they know how to build those coasters that that really make you want to get right back on. Uh, I just, Man, yeah, I, I, did, I did not know that about you. Do you have a favorite? Oh, there's so many new ones there. Uh, you know, I remember going... <laughs> As kids, remember, Chad, we used to go uh, every summer, right? Yeah. Um, oh, let's see. The, well, the, <laughs> the Blue Streak. Remember that one? Man. Yep. I See, remember I told you at the beginning, I've been the youngest of five. And so my earliest memory of an amusement park was I was too short to ride. And so my parents and all four of my siblings got on, and I was left on the platform holding the cooler while my family took off on the coaster. So... Uh, I, I cry a little every time I see the blue streak, but then I get over it and hop on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that that memory. I feel like some healing just happened in that, in that moment. So how, how about this? Uh, do you have a hidden talent? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, uh, there's <clears throat> I can hit a buzzer pretty quickly. Man. Uh, with, with Bible quiz. And I realized the other day, I grew up in a house where buzzers kind of ruled the day. If my dad, we lived upstairs, my dad was a doctor. If he wanted a cold Coke, he would hit the buzzer that he had installed and we could bring him this Coke. And my mom would hit the bell at her desk to let my dad know that the office was getting busy and backed up. He needed to speed it along. And then uh, Bible quiz, these buzzers were of course the, the whole deal. And then when I came to work in Columbus, my boss installed a buzzer. He wanted to know if, if I would be offended by him putting a buzzer in my office so I could come running. So to this day, when I hear a buzzer, I, if I was a talent or not, I just kind of turn and do a Pavlov's response. But, Man, that's yeah. interesting. It's very so, disappointing. I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and a, a lot of people, when you say Bible quiz, there's a, a, a ministry within the Assemblies of God. And I think you and I had a, I, I'm, I'm a little out of touch today, but I think you and I had a privilege of being a part of it really in a heyday yeah, right. um, of where the, the at, at that season of time, high school students would basically take a, a passage of scripture, typically a book or two, sometimes four, depending on some of the smaller letters and, uh, and, and in effect, memorize them. And then there were, there were competitions within parts of the state throughout the state and even nationally. And, uh, I think for for many uh, decades, you you held records of I, I was it I forget the, was the official title most awesome Bible quizzer ever. I'm I'm trying to think. It I'm carried not sure if it was best looking or what. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was on the. Uh, uh, we're getting into all that, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of points. But it was because Ohio was such a breeding ground. If you yeah. excelled yeah. in Ohio, and it was something special about taking the word of God and using it to completely demoralize your opponents. 
I'll never forget. Praise <laughs> you, God. Know, you, you did it. So <laughs> that's, that's why messaging matters. So well, let's 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 stop with that. One last question, just just kind of a or two, I guess, but but this one, um, you know, and I, I'll just I'll just publicly aff- affirm this, you know, Pastor John, you you are one of the most um one of the most gracious leaders that I know and have watched you lead and navigate difficult seasons and interactions with grace and class. And I know a lot of that not just comes from who you are, but God's God's word at work in your life. If you had to do a quick promo for why it's important for us to be interacting with, with God's word, um, whether that be on a daily basis or however you would look at that. I, I know that that's always been a, a critical part of your life and something I've benefited from so much. I, I don't know. Can you can you give a thought on that? Wow, you're not playing fair, Chad. That is a that's a question that goes right to the heart. So, uh, yeah, I would just say to anybody watching today, I don't know how how long you've been serving Jesus. Uh, if you've if you've walked into Calvary, you, you already made a pretty good decision uh, to link up with some of the great people there. But I promise you, even though I've not met you, um, I'll come meet you if you want me to. I'll I promise you, whatever it is you're facing. COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, whatever the issue is, presidential elections, and more importantly to your home, you know, your children, their physical health, where, where some of the loved ones in your life right now are struggling. I promise you, the word of God has exactly, has exactly the counsel and the encouragement that you need. And, and if you have not been a serious student of God's word, I encourage you. It, it was an instruction manual that was meant for the season you're walking through in your life right now. And there's a lot of, a lot of noise out there. And there's some good things out there too, but you will not find anything that's more helpful to what you're feeling and what you're going through right now than the instruction manual that was written by your heavenly father for you. And Pastor Chad and the leaders at Calvary and, and this space here today, we would tell you that over and over and over again until we're blue in the face. It is absolutely true. Um, and that's what's so challenging about the landscape that we're facing today is, is that, that there's such a disdain for the word of God. And the enemy is so smart. On the one hand, he's, he's so tired. He just comes up with the same old, same old approaches. But he knows if he can somehow convince someone, either because of the reputation of some church or some believer, and maybe maybe sometimes they weren't even believers. But if he can do anything to get someone's heart a little turned away, a little judgmental about this whole thing called Christianity and God, what he's doing is he's preventing them um, from finding the answer that they so desperately need. And he doesn't want any of us to find the truth in God's word that he knows will, will just totally captivate us. So that's what I would say, Chad. And uh, I just I just can't thank God. Even even this week, you know, uh, James chapter three. How how do we know, right? If the wisdom that we're downloading from heaven mm. is is God's wisdom or is it last night's pizza? Well, James chapter three gives you an eight point checklist. Read it there in verses 15, 16, and seventeen. So what you're hearing, what you're seeing, is it is it pure? Is it reasonable? Are the people who are saying that are they willing to? to be compliant, willing to yield, if, if that really is God's wisdom. You know, there's eight, and that's just one of millions of different ways 
God's word is so applicable. So I love it. So two books that you need to pick up as a result of this conversation. Um, one is, is messaging by Pastor John Wooten, but um, before you pick that one up, make sure you're, you're reading the Bible. And, uh, you know, I, I was just talking yesterday to a friend who was, who, who in the last probably year and a half made a deliberate effort to say, I'm going to make reading scripture a part of my life. Said he never had in his life, just never had kind of clicked for him and took that step. And, and he was asking me some questions and I just looked at him and I said, I don't know that I know you like, like you're, you're a different person because spending time regularly in God's word, um, it, it, it just, it shifts who we are. It changes our hearts and our perspectives towards God and, uh, is so important. And so how how can we pray for you in, in this, in this season as a church, as uh, we wrap this up and as God brings you to, to our minds. And I know you are, you are leading a, a, a pretty huge endeavor right now in our fellowship called Ohio for Jesus. And how, how can we pray for you? Yeah. So uh, thanks, Chad. Um, Ohioforjesus.com has all the information about our goals and how we're trying to work together for prayer. I know, I know this is a crazy time to say it, and this might uh, cause those who are watching today to say, wow, he's, he's really naive. <laughs> But God's word said, uh, Jesus said this right before he was arrested and crucified for sins that he did not commit for my sins and yours. If that was me, I think I'd be thinking about a few things in that moment, like this stinks. <laughs> Why do I have to do this? This is not fair. I hope the nails, uh, you know, what all those things. And what do we see? He's thinking about you and he's thinking about me and he's praying for us. Oh, what a savior. And so he says in John 17, verses 20 and 21, Father, make your children one. Make them one, just like you and I are one. And then he tells us why. Because if if the children of God become one, then the world is going to know that you sent me. And of course, that is a great partner to John chapter 13, verse 35. Love one another, because if you love one another, they'll know who you are. So if we're unified, if we love each other, it's not just holding hands and skipping through the daisies. I mean, it's not just a nice thing. It's everything. If the body of Christ is unified, the world is going to finally know who we are and who Jesus is. And that's pretty important. Mm -hmm. So every time I take a step on social media or with my voice to make that unity one step harder, I'm not just causing fracas for a day. I, I am causing people to not know who Jesus is. And so that's my prayer. Through COVID, I have learned that the body of Christ is really, really big. And there's a yearning across denominational lines to come together. And so I know this is a crazy year to say it, but I believe more than I ever have that God is able to unify his church and if people would pray toward that end, I would just be so encouraged, Pastor Chad, oh. that the body of Christ would be unified. Awesome. Can we pray with you? Please. So, Father, I, I thank you for my friend. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for Pastor John's leadership and his wisdom. And, God, I thank you for the way that you are uh, allowing him in this season to have influence from you, not just in our, our churches in Ohio, God, but uh, throughout our fellowship and even throughout our country. 
So God, I pray that you would, as he's expressed, help us to see ways and to to have you speak to us, God, about your heart for the church to be unified and uh, together leading others to you and, uh, Lord, what you can do as we come together in this season. Lord, that that unity would be something that's not just experienced on a larger level between churches, but, but even more, God, that it would be something that would stir in our hearts with one another and that out of those relationships, we would see things change. Lord, I thank you for John and Bridget, for their family, the team that he leads in Columbus, and for the ways that they bless so many of the hundreds of churches throughout our state. God, would you continue to give him courage? God, would you give him wisdom? Lord, I pray you'd give him strength and health. Lord, help him to know your, your blessing and your favor in this season. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This has been a real privilege. Thanks for challenging us, encouraging us. And uh, um, we'll, be, we'll be sure to, to pick up the book, learn some more. And uh, thanks for your leadership. Hey, thank you, man. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. Thanks.